I'm Ewan Downey, the CEO of IED Gold Corp. IED is a Toronto Stock Exchange and New York Stock Exchange listed company that has 100% focus on projects in Nevada, USA. Ewan, thank you very much for the introduction. Very nice to meet you. Um, you're sounding pretty congested there. Um, I hope you didn't pick up a bad cold at the PDAC. I did. I picked up something at the PDAC and I've been fighting it ever since. Well, it, it, that, that's the, the risk that one runs at these conferences. Um, I hope you didn't get COVID in, in March 2020 when we all went there. I probably did then too, but I've you know, been getting these kind of colds and flus my entire life, so it doesn't bother me too much. On, on we go. Um, I-80, um, operating in Nevada, um, you, you've got ongoing production of around 20,000 ounces uh, per annum, just over. And when I look through your presentation uh, materials, you talk about uh, growing to 250,000 ounces uh, in, the, in the coming years. So that's, you know, that's quite, a, quite a jump. Could you just uh, summarize that kind of growth projection that you've got planned, please. Yeah, the 20,000 ounces we, or plus 20,000 ounces we realized last year was entirely from residual leach pro programs that are ongoing at two of our project sites. So our company has two processing facilities in the state of Nevada, both of which we are planning to restart in the coming several years. And it's the restart of those facilities and the building of multiple underground mining operations that will see our company quickly grow to become what we believe will be the second largest gold producer in the United States. The current uh, program of, of developing those mines includes the Granite Creek mine that we are developing and mining underground. So we should see a significant increase in production from Granite Creek in 2023. We've also started the underground development and underground ground drill program at our Cove project. And we've, we're now in the middle of permitting the third underground project that we expect to start development on this year, the flagship Ruby Hill operation. And those three projects combined are expected to feed two different fill, milling facilities. And that production, uh, the production from those two milling facilities should see our production grow significantly over the next several years to be what we expect to be well over 250,000 ounces per year. Two different processing facilities. I th um, I've, I've got in my head that Granite Creek, Ruby and Cove will feed the Lone Tree um, processing hub. Um, and I, I know you've got a, 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 another one, but is, is, that, is that the case? Is, that most, is most of it going to go to Lone Tree, most of the feed from those three operations? Uh, I think over the next five years, we've been, uh, we've been trying to lay out our plan to uh, restart the autoclave at Lone Tree, and also start up the plant at Ruby Hill. And I think typically we've been talking about the three refractory projects feeding Lone Tree, and that being a, a big cornerstone of our production. But recently we've been drilling off our polymetallic deposits at Ruby Hill, and we released a study in um, in November of 2022 related to the conversion of the Ruby Hill plant from a vat leach gold oxide plant to a base metal processing facility with a with flotation of both lead and, and zinc concentrates. And it's the restart of both of those plants that we'll see our our significant production growth over the next several years. Uh, right now we are working on different economic scenarios and different development timelines for the various projects 
to assess which of the two facilities is uh, the better one for us to, to restart first. And right now we're leaning leaning towards probably seeing the Ruby Hill plant actually start uh, processing before the Lone Tree Autoclave plant does. That's that's really interesting. And thank you for describing it to you. I, I have read read it all, but it comes alive when I hear someone um, describing it um, with, the, with the spoken word. Um, now, at Ruby Hill... You've had quite a lot of exploration success at the at the topper end. You kind of you call it uh, hilltop, and I've been looking at some of the drill results over the last six months, and um, things like uh, over nine meters with two hundred thirty eight grams silver and twelve uh, percent zinc and eleven um, percent zinc and nine percent lead. You know, th- these are uh, it's, a, it's a classic silver lead zinc assemblage. It seems as if you're that's the kind of the resource base that you're kind of growing out at the moment. You're, so you're still expanding and still drilling there. Is that right? Yes, we uh, we made uh, several discoveries in the last half of 2022, and the majority of those discoveries were polymetallic CRD or carbonate replacement deposit type mineralization, which is p- part of the hundred year, most of the hundred and fifty year history of mining in the Eureka district was CRD, but not much has been done in relation to targeting the CRD mineralization over the last 50 or 60 years. And just mid-year last year, we started looking at targets adjacent to our gold deposits and had immediate success. And I believe we're drilling out a world-class high-grade CRD deposit at present that will likely come into development and production before a lot of our refractory underground deposits do. The Ruby Hill property is is really blessed with mineralization. We have a refractory Carlin-style gold deposit right beside um, multiple CRD, high-grade CRD deposits, right beside a high-grade scar and zinc deposit. So it's it's a pretty remarkable project in that we believe in, in the next five years' time we'll be mining significant high-grade gold mineralization from one deposit and significant high-grade polymetallic or base metal mineralization from two deposits, all from the same underground workings. Does the CRD uh, discovery have open pit potential? Is, are you looking at uh, starting that as an open pit, or is that are you definitely um, thinking kind of with the Nevada mindset, let's go underground to make the permitting easier? Yeah, we're definitely looking at the underground scenario, mainly because of the grade. And the permitting, uh, the timeline for permitting to start up mining underground is likely shorter than going open pit. Uh, This mineralization, though, does occur immediately adjacent to the existing Archimedes pit. So it would, in my opinion, would be much easier to permit a pit expansion here. But given that these deposits seem to occur in pods or lenses, the, the mineability is likely more... Uh, better to do from underground, and we're we're actually discovering significant mineralization along what we call the hilltop fault, a northwest striking structure. And as we drill, we we're stepping out along that structure. We continue to intersect new lenses of CRD mineralization. So the, uh, in my opinion, it would be more economic to mine this from underground than open pit. It, it feels that th- th- there's a lot of exploration to do. Um, yes, you've got the operating plants. Yes, you've got the, the cash flow from the residual leaching. Uh, you've got the existing infrastructure. You've got the old open pits. 
But there's kind of a part of me which thinks that um, the envelope of mineralization isn't completely defined yet, and that that that's kind of a key part of the story in the in the let's say the next twelve months to kind of really work on the on an ex on a pure exploration basis. Yeah, definitely at Ruby Hill, we're we're doing two things at the same time. We're permitting to go underground. We expect to start the underground development later this year, and that will immediately access the 426 zone. That's a Carlin-type underground gold deposit. And adjacent to that are the CRD and SCARM deposits that we expect to drill out from underground. But in the interim period, we're, we're drilling out those polymetallic deposits from surface, and we've We've also uh, announced, or in some of our presentations this year, we've discussed the fact that we are discovering additional CRD mineralization in our 2023 drilling. Those assays have yet to be released. And we think we're on to uh, truly what, what we expect will be a world-class CRD deposit with grades um, at or in excess of any other and that you'll find anywhere in the world. So we're, we're very excited by what we're doing here. And the exploration focus has become forefront at that project because as we continue to step out, we keep hitting mineralization. The footprint is getting bigger and bigger. And as we drill new targets, we're hitting new mineralization that will just add to the potential here. And we think that the, the polymetallic opportunity is actually likely bigger than the Carlin deposit potential. But the for us to start up the autoclave, we need three underground refractory or Carlin-type uh, gold deposits in production in order to fill that facility. And to do that, we have to put in the underground development, complete underground drill programs to perform the definition where we can perform test mining and ultimately deliver three feasibility studies that will go into the restart of the autoclave facility. Um, whereas to restart the base metal plant, we just need one project to deliver that mineralization. So it's it's likely easier to do the polymetallic startup first because of that fact. And the capital cost is actually significantly lower to go that route or the upfront capital of the two projects. And don't forget that our company has intra-processing agreements with Nevada Gold Mines, the Barrick Newmont joint venture in Nevada to process up to 1,750 tons per day of material from our projects until we get our own our own facility up and running. So, okay, um, I was going to ask about the capex of starting up a or restarting a um, pressure oxidation plant because they're not uh, famously uh, low cost pieces of equipment. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. They're they're famously expensive bits of kit, um, but. It's it's really interesting for you to, um, to hear you say that you've got that uh, seventeen fifty tons per day processing toll mining agreement with your with your neighbours. So in in potentially what you could be doing, in other words, is is get ongoing revenue from your from your gold mines without having to spend um, a huge amount on restarting the the, the pox plant um, and use that to. Plus your existing cash reserves, which are not inconsiderable, to um, drill out this what you have described as a world class CRD deposit. Yeah, definitely. When we did the transaction to acquire Lone Tree, obviously we're working with Nevada Gold Mines. They're the largest producer in the state, or actually the largest producer in in North America, um, is Nevada Gold Mines. 
and we acquired the plant from them. And they they recognized that to run a plant like this, because of its its high temperature, high heat, that you don't run them at half capacity or you don't batch run them, turn them on, turn them off. You need it running at full capacity. So they're very cognizant of the plan or, or they're very cognizant of what we need to do to fill that plant. And in order to do that, we have to start up three separate underground mining operations. So, and for us to, to get the capital to start, the working capital stockpile three underground mines to start the pox plant, as you call it, is um, would be a major endeavor for us. So they recognize that going into this transaction. So they gave us the interim processing agreement so that when we start up Granite Creek and we, we need the processing, that they're processing for us because they recognize that we're probably not going to start them all on the same day. And it, it, it does give us the opportunity to start up the operations, get them working properly, and then start up our facility and uh, it and for it to run properly. So they're, they're being a very uh, proactive and friendly neighbor to us or working with us in, in, uh, in seeing us achieve our goal. They were actually a significant shareholder of ours previously. And, uh, but they've been a very, very good partner to work with in the state. We used to be a joint venture partner at the Arturo mine. So the companies are friendly, but it's, it's definitely something that both companies are cognizant of what we need to achieve in order to start up that plant. And they, they, they have been supporting us to get there. Now you talk about capital, uh, the typical capital to build, uh, an autoclave facility in the state of Nevada, like we have putting in the roads, the power lines, the tailings, everything that's there would likely be about a billion dollar project. But don't forget that this one's already built. All we need to do is retrofit it to meet our needs. <clears throat> and that those needs include higher grade mineralization that were that, than what was historically put through it. So there are some adjustments we need to make the plant and the consensus analyst estimates are sort of in that 250 to 300 million dollar range which is about a quarter of the cost of a new one and uh, when we publish our our cost estimates we expect that the analyst estimates to be right on right right on them right on the money as far as i'm concerned good you have also but you, you also mentioned that you got the, that that added requirement of having to get uh, a full mill so to speak a full plant which means three three mines three feasibility studies uh, lots of mine feed. Um, so I can understand the attractiveness of starting on Ruby Hill. Um, is there a is there a time limit that you can toll treat for? I mean, or is it on a kind of a best efforts basis? Can you can you run 1750 tons for a number of years while you're working on Ruby Hill and and doing all of the pre work? Is it? Yeah, is there a time limit on that agreement? The 750 ton a day uh, roaster agreement was for a minimum period of 10 years. So that's in place for a long period. The autoclave agreement was for a period of three years, but has an extension clause, a, a built-in extension clause that is triggered so long as we are working towards a restart of the autoclave. So it doesn't just shut off in three years. It, it does extend, or uh, the parties would work to extend it in the event that we're continuing to develop the autoclave. So that if Permitting takes a little longer for us. Uh, it doesn't all of a sudden we don't run out. They um, they don't just walk away. Uh, it is a 
a good faith agreement that both parties agree to work together here. Thank you. That's that's really helpful. Um, good. Uh, how, how interesting on a on a on a project level that, that there's so many moving parts. Now the, the markets don't always play ball. Um, and I, when I look at your share price, I can see there's a kind of it's taken a, um, a, a, a bit of a beating in the last um, five or six months, though, very much in line with um, the gold sector in general. Um, do you have any kind of uh, specific comments on that or is that just part of the kind of the general uh, cycle that uh, um, all, all gold companies have, have faced? I think going into year end last year, particularly into November, the, the market was quite strong in the gold sector, and then it rolled over in November uh, into this year, and it's been a little softer, particularly with the increasing interest rates that we're seeing countries do that's caused the U.S. dollar to strengthen and the gold price to go down. I think this is a temporary phenomenon, and the gold price will uh, will perform very strongly here in 2023. I think we're just starting to see that, though the stocks aren't aren't following it yet. I do expect that there will be a significant rebate in a lot of the gold stocks, including ours. But a, a bit of our downfall, we hit all-time highs in November, December. And it was right around that time that our largest shareholder, Equinox Gold, who is building a large project here in Ontario and has some financing needs, uh, had two significant shareholdings in two companies, uh, Solaris and ourselves. And they sold all of their Solaris shares and the rumor started to go around the market that we were next. And, you know, when there's a rumor about a big seller in the market, what happens to a share price? And that's what happened. So I believe it's built, it's, uh, what this has done is create a, a tremendous buying opportunity on our stock because we have a growth profile unlike any other developer. And I, I think once this, um, sale of, of shares, which just occurred last week, um, gets played out in the market that we will see a significant re-rate in our share price again. Um, do you know how much was sold? I mean, it, it was it one block, was it the full 30% that was placed or was it a, a fraction of that? No, they had about 25% at the time of the sale and um, they sold down to 19.9%. So that was a, it was, that was a, a key, a key percentage of ownership in our company for both, both of us. One, it limits some of the reporting requirements that Equinox has to do on our ownership, but it also allows our company to qualify for additional indexes. We don't qualify for some indexes because we had uh, what's called a controlling shareholder, but now below 20%, that is taken away, and we should see an increase in waning now in some of the indexes of our stock. We've got great liquidity a significant market cap and a great growth profile that I think we will be um, a sta stable mate uh, holding in a lot of indexes for years to come. Uh, and Equinox, I believe, has essentially taken care of their financing needs. They are very keen on what we're doing in Nevada. They've uh, publicly stated consistently that they really like what we've been able to do since we created this company. And I believe that their intent until now when they need uh, need additional cash has been that one day they would like potentially to acquire our company like they did Premier Gold Mines. And uh, so I, I don't expect them to be a major shareholder going forward. 
And uh, I think they've been a very supportive company in our efforts to date. Great. Thank you. Uh, your balance sheet, you've got uh, $33 million of restricted cash. You've got another um, $48 million of um, um, free cash. Um, and you're in this kind of exploration and study phase. Uh, you've got production uh, from the residual and from the underground. Are you, are you more or less... Um, cash neutral in this exploration phase and that gives you a kind of treasury buffer for uh, a subsequent build phase uh no i wouldn't say we're we're cash flow neutral we're we're developing right now two underground operations and and likely to start up a third one later this year so it's a big uh big development year uh in 2023 and into 2024 for our company earlier this year we did close a 65 million dollar us uh, convertible debenture financing that did increase that cash balance that you just said. So we do have uh, significant cash on hand, and we we do work quite closely with um, various groups like Orion Mine Finance, and we actually have an accordion feature in our previous financing that uh, for up to another hundred million dollars. So we we do expect to continue to finance our operations over the next couple of years. But it is our expectation that at least at Granite Creek, as we ramp up uh, development and production there over the next 12 months, that that project will become at least cash flow neutral and hopefully cash flow positive. So one of our three utilizing the intro processing agreements will begin to pay, uh, pay some of the bills as we move forward. So there is a point where we do expect to roll over and become a cash flow positive company. Can you give me kind of a rough split between the the development capital you'll be deploying uh, for the rest of 2023 and the exploration uh, capital? Is, is, is that something you can uh, you've spoken about publicly? Yeah, we're just going through our final budgeting for this year uh, because of the new discoveries. Our our final budgets have been delayed somewhat, but there is definitely more capital going into development than exploration. Our current exploration budget for this year is. Uh, at Cove, where we're doing underground drilling, and at Ruby Hill, where we're doing surface drilling, is in the ten to fifteen dollar US range, whereas our development capital is uh, is likely at least twice that for this year. Good, Ewan. Thank you very much. It's been a, um, a really interesting introduction to the company from from my part. Forgive me for asking ignorant questions. Um, that's how I learn the most about the uh, the company, and hopefully that will be reflected through to the viewers. Um, good luck with all your endeavors this year, and I hope you recover from your cold soon. Yeah, me too. I just some days I feel better, and then just hits me again. Like today, I was like, my head's all stuffed up again. I'm like, man, bad day. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, and um, go get them. Okay, thank you very much. Good to meet you.